Look, it's not my fault. I'll explain it all after this. Okay, it's Robbo here. There is no James Whale this week. And it's all my fault. Well, actually, it's not all my fault. It's uh, Doris's fault. Doris, the wind-blowing machine. Storm Doris. I woke up yesterday morning. Loud banging going on. This would have been... Thursday. And it sounded like my roof was being uh, lifted off. And my wife was saying, oh, I'm not staying in bed. I can't stay up here with all this uh, noise going on. I don't feel safe. So she uh, went downstairs. And then I heard a shout saying, you better come quick. The conservatory roof is uh, about to go. So uh, I went down. It took me a while to try and find my clothes. I didn't really want to go down, obviously, completely. Because uh, I, I sleep, you know. Anyway, went downstairs, looked through the kitchen window, which looks into our conservatory. Now, our conservatory is very big. In fact, it's too big. It's stupidly big. It's big enough to live in. It's the size of, I don't know, an average lounge and an average dining room all in one. It, it, it's just unusably big. In the summer, it's way too hot because there's no air vents in the ceiling. And in the winter, it's freezing cold. If you put things in there, they freeze. So it's a completely pointless part of the house. So I'm looking into the conservatory and one side of the roof is literally just flapping up and down. It's like the the main structure of the roof has come away from the wall and there's Perspex panelling flapping about. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. And my wife starts moaning about the door. She says, yeah, but what about the door? And I'm looking at the door and sure enough, the door's sort of wobbling but I'm thinking what are you talking about the door look at the roof said, yeah, yeah but, but you're not listening to me the door and I'm going look <laughs> I am listening to you and I'm hearing you going on about a door but I'm looking at about five meters of roof that is just literally just flapping around and we live in a sort of cul-de-sac so if that roof goes off it's just going to go completely into everyone's property and you know I'm thinking the worst and she keeps on going on about this door. So in the end, I thought, right, let's just get in the conservatory and see what we can do. So I slid open the patio door from the kitchen into the conservatory. And I'm looking at the door, thinking, well, to be fair, every time there's a gust of wind, the top of the door bows, lets a lot of air into the conservatory, which is pushing up the roof so I'm starting to think maybe she's got a point if I fix the door it won't be so bad just as I'm getting towards the door the door blows completely open so I'm thinking what's going on here and at that point my wife then says when I came down the door was open I'm not sure if we shut the door last night so I thought ah so that's what's happened the wind because the door's open, has blown a channel of air 
through into the Conservatives. It's got nowhere to go other than up, because it can't go through a wall, although I'm sure it would try. So I try and shut this door. Now, at this point, the winds are like 90 mile an hour, but I finally managed to get this door closed, but I couldn't lock it because the wind had shattered all the uh, the locking mechanism, which was obviously why the door had blown open during the night. We hadn't left the door open at night. The wind has just blown the door through. So I'm holding two patio doors closed by myself. We have a dining table, a big, heavy, solid wood dining table. So I'm looking at my wife saying, like, get the dining table and put it up against the doors. Now, I think this is a woman thing. Sorry to be sexist. But she goes into this process of, let me just clear the area first and move a few things. And because there are little, there are little obstacles in the way. And my brain is just saying, could you please just get the table and just put it up against the door? Just push the table to the door. I'm just being battered. The door is opening and closing, opening and closing, smashing me in the shoulder and in the face. I'm putting all my strength. The floor is completely tiled, completely wet, and I'm slipping continually. There's a little bit of carpet that we use as like a floor mat that I'm stood on, and I'm just surfing, you know, and I'm trying to keep this door closed because if that door opens, the roof is going to come off. I turn around to witness my wife stacking neatly colouring books and things and I went what the I'm not going to swear but you know I, I did swear I said could you please put the table up against the door well I'm trying she says and I'm shouting try harder eventually she listens to me gives up what she's doing tidying the conservatory and starts pushing the table towards me of which I put my hand out and pull the table and we put the table up against this door Job sorted. The door is now secured. The door is not going anywhere. And then I'm looking at this uh, conservatory roof that unfortunately is still flapping around. Um, the wind is coming from every direction, so it's just flapping all over the place. So I, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't go outside and get up on the roof. Um, I know what's happened. What's happened is the um, the plastic seals that they clip on top of the roof have popped off and the sheets are just flapping around. They're literally held in by strips of rubber seals. And I'm thinking, what can I do? I can't do anything. So I go over and I put my hand up through one of the holes that's being created and try and hold the sheets down. And I realise that whoever built this conservatory is a complete numpty. Now, we didn't build the conservatory and we didn't have the conservatory built. We moved into the house and it was already there. And what they'd done is they laid the, what they call glazing bars from the, the top of the roof down to the wall and just laid them flat. They'd not tied them down in any way, not screwed them down in any way. They're just there literally by the weight of the bar that's all that's holding them down. Now, there is one solid metal bar, to be fair, going from the middle of the conservatory down, which one glazing bar is screwed to. The rest are screwed to nothing. So no wonder this thing's flapping around. 
I am the only thing stopping this roof from lifting off the conservatory. And a lot of things are going through my mind. The first being, shall I just let go? What's the worst that will happen? Shall I just let nature take its course? The winds might die down. It seems to just be flapping around. But to be fair, when that door was open all that time, it didn't really blow off. If it does blow away, I'll get a nice new conservatory out of my insurance company. Or are my insurance company going to pay out? Because did I do everything that I possibly could to try and prevent the damage from happening? And you know when you fill out these online comparison insurance forms, there isn't really a question on there that says, do you have an extra large conservatory? Uh, it, it just says, how many bedrooms in your house have you got? See, all these things are going through your mind as to say, but I didn't tell them I had a conservatory. They never asked. Am I covered? The next thing that's going through my mind is, if the roof does blow off, who's it going to kill? Or what objects is it going to destroy in its flight path? So I decide to hold on for dear life. And I'm holding on, and I'm holding on, and the wind just is not stopping. It's just relentless. Now, somewhere in the conservatory, I don't know what they're called, they're like two suction cups. You see them on the telly when they're carrying a pane of glass. You sort of clamp them down onto the glass panel and it allows you to lift the glass up. They're like two little handles. I've got two of those because I was fixing a couple of the panels on the other side of the conservatory uh, because some of the seals had come off and the panels had slipped down slightly. So I had these objects in the conservatory and I thought, well, if I clip them to the panels and then got some rope, I could pull down the panels and stop them from flapping around. And then the wind would just blow over the top of them. So I turn to my wife and I say, you know those um, two glass suctiony cuppy tooly things that I bought off the internet for four pound um, that um, have been on that table that we moved against the conservatory door. Um, where are they now? To which my wife says, "Oh, they'll be there. They'll be they'll be over there somewhere." So, both of us are now turning the conservatory upside down, trying to find these tools. We can't find them anywhere. We're in every. We got a. We got a like a. I don't know what. Like, the house we live in is really weird. We've got a kitchen in the conservatory. When I say a kitchen, it's just a sink and some kitchen cupboards. I assume it's for cleaning your boots or, you know, whatever you've been out in the garden, because we don't do any gardening, so I don't see the need for it. But all these cupboards are filled with junk, um, old tools, some slates from our old house that I thought, oh, some brand new slates, about 50 slates, I'll bring them. Uh, to the new house uh, only to realise the new house has got tiles on it so they're completely useless but we've kept the slates anyway because they were expensive uh, there's no other reason to keep them other than they're expensive um, so we've got all these things in his cupboards and we can't find these suction cup things 
So I think, right, okay, well, I'll go and have a look in my office. Now, I've got an office which is essentially a the garage, and it's been converted into an office. It's where I, where all my stuff is. Um, it's it's my room. It's not actually in the house. Uh, you know, if I want to have my stuff, it has to go outside. I'm sure there's a lot of men out there that are in a similar sort of boat. You can have all your stuff outside the house and all my stuff inside the house. So all the fluffy cushions and vases and ornaments and all that kind of stuff are in the house and all the expensive electronic stuff that I have is in the garage. Fortunately, the garage has been converted into a nice little den and all my stuff is in there. I should add to that as well as all the junk that my wife owns that she doesn't want in the house because there's nowhere else to store it. So I've got a nice room with workbenches or my computer gear on it or my music stuff, my guitar amps and everything in there. But on the floor, in the middle of the room, is a big pile of junk that my wife no longer wants. But I, but I put up with it. It's one of them things that men do, you know. They have a shed, but yet they have to share it. The wife has a house. You can live in it, um, but you can't put any things in it that you want. Um, that, that's, that's the arrangement that we seem to have in the house. Maybe I'm being a little harsh, but uh, I'm sure you get the idea. So if those suction cups weren't in the conservatory, there is a slim chance that my wife has thought, those don't belong in the conservatory. I'll go and put them in Rob's room and they're not there either. So we've turned over the conservatory, we've turned over the office, and we've turned over the garage. They're not there. They've disappeared. Somebody, something, somehow, these two objects that have always been on the conservatory table have just disappeared. I don't know what to do now. I, I, I have to go back into the conservatory and I'll have to just hold the thing down by hand. So I'm holding it down by hand and I'm thinking, oh, there's got to be something better than this. My wife says she's going to go off down to the local hardware store and see if she can buy some. And that's what she does. She disappears. And I'm left there holding these sheets. And through the corner of my eye, I spot a broom. I thought, oh, that looks like a, a good object to hold down sheets with. Poke the broom through, turn it round 90 degrees and pull down. You've got the brush holding the sheet down. So I did that. That made it a little bit more comfortable because my knuckles weren't being scraped by the uh, panelling. And then I'm looking around the room and I spot the ultimate conservatory saving tool they should sell these on ebay and amazon and screwfix and b and q essentially what it is is a paint roller if you think about the shape of a paint roller you've got a nice soft furry roll er you know the bit that uh, sucks up the paint and then spits the paint out when you roll it a very thin strong metal wire in the shape of an S which is almost like the broom handle 
but the wire is so thin that it can nicely hook up through the plastic and hold down the sheets with its nice furry roller. So I use that instead of the broom handle. And as I'm doing that, the phone rings and it's my wife. She says, oh, I've got these suctiony things that work for pulling out dents of cars. Will that do? I said, to be honest, anything will do that's got a suction and a handle. Um, she opens the box and she, it says it, it looks like the things that you had before with two suction cups and a handle, except this one's red. I mean, I don't care what the colour is, just um, that'll do. So she said, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a photo. So she did that and it was exactly what I wanted. So she bought a couple of them, came back to witness me holding down the conservatory with a paint roller. My father-in-law turned up as well, so he bought some rope. And I stood there trying to come up with my head of a way of holding the paint roller down so I didn't have to stand there like a lemon holding it. Um, in the end, we opted for some string and a screw and screwed it into the wall. I then came up with this ingenious plan of using two screws and a E string from a guitar to tie the roof to one of the main support beams. So we did that and uh, we sat back and just waited for the storm to die over. And eventually the storm did die over and I was then left with this feeling of like, well, now what do I do? So I climbed over the wall into the field next door, climbed over into the next door's house. He wasn't in. Um, got up onto a ladder, pulled down the uh, all the glazing bars, reattached the strips of plastic again that hold the actual sheets down with the help of some fairy liquid for some lubricant so I could push these bits of plastic back up and reattached it all screwed it all down and it turned out to be quite a nice neat job in the end uh, the same can't be said for the uh, little bit of roof between the garage and the house someone had built like a lean-to roof that had completely gone shattered to pieces very brittle corrugated plastic sheeting all the woodwork had been completely rotten away it was one of them jobs where I had to strip it all down and redo anyway so thankfully there is some good news in that Storm Doris had done all the demolition work for me, ready for me to put this new uh, roof on. Unfortunately, I've just found out that uh, this weekend another mini storm is coming, I suppose it's the aftermath, where it's going to bring lots and lots of rain. So we're, we're potentially going to end up with like a swimming pool between the house and the, uh, the garage, because there are two walls either end sealing it off. Um, so I've had to drill a hole through the wall at the bottom to uh, allow the water, if any, to drain through. Uh, I have had to drill holes there previously when the guttering of stuff overflowed once we had a big swimming pool, so I had to go out and drill a hole through the wall. But now I've made a really big hole. Big enough now, though, for a rat to come in. But uh, having a rat in the uh, hallway is the least of my concerns. So everything's sort of back to normal, except I was not able to do the show because it came to about one o'clock-ish when we normally do the show and I was still holding the sheets down with a paint roller. 
So there was a bit of me that was thinking, do you know what, I should just leave, go and do the show and come back. But uh, unfortunately for you guys, that didn't happen. And James has got other commitments now, so the time has passed and I can't do a show uh, with James. So in a way, I'm continuing the misery of Storm Doris, of which I can only apologise. There is some good news in that I'm now going to play some music. So which band have we got this week? Well, we have a band uh, called the Jamie Porter Band. Um, these guys are really good. We've had some of their music in the past. This is going to be a song called I'm Not Running Away. He sent me this via Twitter, of all places, but uh, if you want to get your music on the show, just email me, Rob, and the email address is jameswellradio at gmail.com. Just include the MP3 file, a bit about yourself, permission to play it on the show, and we'll have a listen. And we've always said, if it's good, we'll put it out. If it's bad, we'll still put it out, because, you know, what do we know about music? So this is Jamie Porter and I'm Not Running Away.
Well, there we are. That's uh, Jamie Porter Band, and uh, I'm Not Running Away. I like that. I like that a lot. I've uh, always enjoyed uh, Jamie Porter's music. We played one of his songs before. I think it was called Lay On Me um, on the show. So, yeah, keep your music coming in. Jameswellradio at gmail.com, mp3, permission to play, and uh, mark it for my attention, Rob, and we'll put it out there. Uh, it's really, really simple. Lots of people do, and they get their songs played out on many, many radio stations. Thanks to all those radio stations that do put this show out. Um, thanks very much indeed. Um, let's do a bit of um, tech talk, because uh, that's the bit that I normally do on the show. It'll be a bit unusual, obviously, this week, because I, I won't be interrupted. Which is, uh, to be honest, when he does interrupt me, it's quite handy, really, because it just means he, you know, I don't have to really put that much effort in. But now I sort of have to... Uh, so what's been happening in the world of tech? I saw this week um, that um, drones in uh, Dubai are going to be used to carry people around. Why anyone would want to put themselves inside a drone and be flown around by a computer, I have no idea. But if it was going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen in Dubai. I hope that there is some sort of fail-safe, because if one of those propellers breaks off or goes faulty... That's it. It's it's game over. I mean, we've all seen what drones look like. It's essentially the same thing with a pod in the middle. And they could fly off, go through the glass, cause all sorts of damage to you. Um, not to mention drop out the sky. I hope there's a big uh, parachute release. I haven't seen the safety specs on the craft. I'm assuming there's some kind of parachute or a big ejector seat or maybe just a big fluffy cushion beneath your bum to absorb the impact. I don't know. It's certainly something that... Uh, I don't think I'll ever get in. Um, it's going to have to go through several generations of evolvement before I think the majority of us will get in one. Um, so we'll see. July this year, apparently, people are going to be flying around in drones. Uh, what else we've got to use? Uh, EE, the telephone people, they're going to be launching balloons with uh, transmitters on to give people in rural areas coverage. Uh, the balloons can stay up for several days if not weeks. Uh, it's a good idea. Why don't they just share their transmitters with other people? You know, everybody use the transmitters. Share out the bandwidth. It'd be so much nicer. You know, how many times have we all been out somewhere and it's like, oh, I haven't got any signal and then the other person's going, oh, I've got 4G. Oh, I've got, yeah, I've got five bars. I've got 4G. And then you go to another area, and you've got five bars, 4G, and they've got bugger all. So, you know, share the transmitters. It's a simple solution. Search engines are now going to be getting rid of pirated content. Well, not really. They're just going to be pushing them down to the bottom of the list. So on page 337, there'll be that film that you've been looking for. Completely pointless. Completely pointless. Why are search engines doing it? I don't know. They're, I suppose they're trying to appease the filmmakers it's obvious what's going to happen you're not going to use google you're not going to use yahoo you're not going to use ask jeeves if that's still going i think it's just called ask now it's so long since i've used ask jeeves that uh, i don't even know what it's called anymore you're not going to use bing does anyone use bing dear me what a search engine that is anyway why use those when you can use knockoffnigel.com and it'll have everything on there. It's so, you know, there are plenty of other search engines out there that you can get all your pirated and dodgy content from. 
So having someone like Google and Yahoo turn around and say, well, we're going to remove it. We're going to put it all the way down the bottom of this. Boo-hoo, who cares? That's not going to solve anything. How's that going to solve anything? Well, it'll deter people who might not have been into uh, piracy. Um, it won't be in their face. So it'll deter... No! Trust me, the people that want to watch dodgy copies of movies, they're just going to download it from wherever. It's not going to work. And I'll tell you why it's not going to work. Because when you go to work and your mate comes up to you and says, Hey, I watched that film last night. I got it from um, dodgymovies.com. That's where you're going to go and that's where you're going to get it from. Come on, let's be real. Google, Yahoo, Bing, whatever, whatever. That's not going to stop piracy. Nobody cares whether Google hasn't got any pirated content on anymore. Nobody cares if Bing hasn't got any pirated content on anymore. Or links to. All that's going to happen is another search engine is going to come along that you can search for your usual things like where can I buy a pot of paint from? What's the latest car? Where's my nearest supermarket? And where can I download a copy of Pirates of the Caribbean 37? Because a website is going to set themselves up, it's going to have all that features on it, and they're not going to do the, oh, let's push all the results down the bottom of the list, because that's a good way of making sure that their search engine gets used and they get a proportion of the search market. Which leads me on to films. I normally talk about films on the show, but I have not really been to go and see many films recently. I don't know why, it's just one of them weird times of the year where I don't have much time on my hands as I usually do. I have obviously been to see a few films, but nothing worthy talking about. The last film we went to see was called Ballerina. It's a cartoon for kids. Um, it's a bit like Karate Kid in that a girl wants to be a ballerina and she does all the wax off, wax on bits in ballerina terms. And at the end of the film, a bit of a letdown. I'm going to ruin it for everybody, but the film's been out for a while now. Um, she jumps up in the air doing the classic ballerina pose and then the film just ends so you don't even get to see her do the ballerina dancey thing that they do um, you know the nutcracker suite or whatever they I don't know the film was great other than that it was a bit like that film Quartet I don't know if you've seen Quartet it's about four people that used to be in a something to do with music I think Billy Connolly was in it and they're in an old people's home and they've decided they're going to put together a concert and get the quartet back together. And the film goes on for about three and a half hours. It's a really long, long film. And at the end of the film, you're thinking, this is going to be one hell of a show at the end where they show you this piece of whatever they're going to do, this famous piece that they're very famous for. And they all get up together on this little mock stage in the middle of this nursing home, wherever it is. I can't remember. It's so long ago. And they're just about to start to sing or play the musical instrument. I can't even remember. It's so long ago. And then the camera just pans backwards out through a window, uh, looking down at the old people's home, and the credits roll. So you don't even get to see them perform. And the only reason why my interest was sustained throughout the whole movie was the possibility of seeing Billy Connolly do this amazing piece of music at the end. And it, and it just didn't happen. And that seems to be the norm of a lot of films these days. There's just no ending. The last one I went to see, very similar, another cartoon was Sing. It was a bit like a X Factor. I've mentioned it a few weeks ago on the show. You're expecting this very shy elephant at the end with a big voice. Reminded me of that film. Uh, I think it's called Little Voice, about the girl who's got a little voice. Um, but she hasn't. She's got a very, very big voice um, and an amazing talent. 
and you get to hear it. Well, the elephant in this one was a very shy character, never sang in front of anyone before, but you knew that she had a really, really good voice and was going to blow you away. And then the song choice they picked at the end was like, oh, really? Yeah, that's no, what a letdown. That's been my cinema experience for the last few weeks. But what I wanted to talk about was cinemas in general. I am getting sick and sick and tired of turning up to the cinema and watching a film and having the film being ruined by idiots in the cinema. You know, the family that have dragged their kids along. Usually some of them way too young for the film that they're going to be watching. have got no interest in watching it. So they're just getting up and wandering around and swinging on the bars or kicking the seats, munching popcorn, moaning, crying. You know, you've paid a lot of money to go and see these films. I know that I get into a lot of films for free, right? And it's great. I would still go and see the film even if I didn't get in for free because I love watching films and I love going to the cinema which is why I don't understand piracy. But then again, I do. Why would you go and pay 50 quid for your family to go and see a film and have it ruined by idiots? It used to be okay in the old days. When you, when you went to the cinema in the old days, if you were first in, you got pick of any seat you like. You could sit in the best seats, sit in the front, sit in the back, uh, sit in the middle. I like to sit in the middle. But you got the pick. If you leave it till later and you go in, you don't get as much choice of where you're going to sit, and sometimes you end up sitting right at the front, you know, them really crap seats. I don't know why they even put them in the cinema, where they're completely flat, and you're just looking up at the screen, and you get a really bad neck ache when you finish. Take them out, forget it, just get rid of them. Nobody sits in them, unless there's no other option. But if you go late into the cinema, you can choose areas of the cinema that you can sit in that you know you're going to get left alone. You're going to get left to watch the film in peace. But you can't do that now. Now you have to pick the seat that you're going to sit in. Sometimes you pick the seat that you're going to sit in days in advance. So you're looking at the uh, map of the cinema and all the seats that are available. And you think, well, no one's sitting in that area there. So I'll sit there and that looks quite nice. Um, I might get left alone. I could see that there's obviously a family of uh, five there and a family of four there and a, a couple there. And you know, I'll go and sit there and hopefully not that many other people will come to the cinema and it'll be okay. Wrong. A few hours later, cinema fills up. You turn up. You've got no choice. You can't move because as soon as you sit in someone else's seats, they come in. You're going to have to get up and go back and you look an idiot. There is a couple of uh, things you can do. There are things called house seats, which they're not allowed to sell. They're reserved seats that the cinema have for when mistakes happen, double bookings, um, or if a VIP is turning up. If you know where they are, and trust me, I know where they are in my cinema, you can get up and move to those seats. Or alternatively, you can do what we sometimes do if we're sitting next to an undesirable in a, or in an area where there's some undesirables. You pretend to go to the toilet just as the film starting, and then you wait for a few seconds. Try and do it, you know, when, when you know, the last few trailers are on. Go out the screen, wait a few seconds, then come back in. Just go back to an area where there's empty seats. Because the chances are the people that are already paid to go and see that film are in. It's very rare that people turn up late. And if they did turn up late and said, oh, you're sitting in my seats, well, you could just get up and sit back in your own seats. You've lost nothing. You know, it was worth a try. And I'm sure that's why some people don't go to the cinema. 
it's like, I can't, I don't want to go to the cinema. Why would I want to go and pay all that money and have a ruined experience? Because I go a lot and I can tell you that it's 50-50. It used to be like, oh, every now and again, you'd be in a screen and there'll be some family hurling abuse at some other family or throwing popcorn at each other. Or Every now and again, you'd have that. Now, now to me, it feels like every time I'm going there, it, it's getting worse. I'm all tense. I'm, I'm sat there thinking, oh, there's a family coming in. Oh, no, 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 please don't, don't, don't sit. Oh, no, oh, phew, they're sitting somewhere else. You know, that's how it is. And the only way of improving the cinema experience and maybe winning some people back that used to go to the cinema and thought, you know what, I'm paying all this money and I, I'm not really getting a very good experience. I might as well wait for it to come out on Blu-ray. The Blu-ray disc cost me like 14 quid. That's realistically the price of one good ticket in a good cinema. Everyone in the family can watch it. We can buy our own popcorn. We can pause it when we want to go to the toilet. You know, it's such a better experience nowadays at home, especially if you've got a really good telly with surround sound and all the rest of it. And you're in a room with people that you'd go to the cinema by choice with and you know they're not going to talk through it. Because if you're in a family and people ruin the film for you, you'll just watch the film when they're not around. You can watch it any time. You own the disc. You can do what you like. Or alternatively, which is what's happening, is you can download it. I'm telling you now, don't download movies. It's it's not worth it. And it's a shame because I think people should go to the cinema. I think it's an industry worth supporting. There's a lot of good films out there and they do entertain and they are worth spending the money on. Either buying the Blu-ray if you missed it in the cinema or streaming it from places like Netflix or Amazon or whatever, paying a subscription, Sky TV, whatever. If you're paying for it, great, which means everyone gets paid. I'm not talking about all the big movie stars, but even, you know, Jeff, who just packs the props away. He's got a wage, you know, he needs paying. The film industry needs supporting. But at the same time, the cinemas need improving. IMAX is amazing. IMAX does tick all the boxes main reason is the sound is so loud you can't hear anyone talking eating popcorn the seating is so good that the gap between you and the person in front of you is so wide that you could try all you like to kick the person in front of you you can't you know if anyone gets up to go to the toilet you don't all have to stand up there's such a good gap that people can just walk naturally that's the solution but it's expensive the real solution is have a member of staff monitoring the situation of what's happening while the film's on, seeing if there are any kids running around. Go and sort it out. I know that it'll interrupt the film a bit, you know, but at least they'll be done, dealt with, and they're out, and they might not come back again. Don't come back until you've learned how to shut up, sit still, and survive for an hour and a half without eating. Well, there you go. Let's see, that's my rant about films. I love films. It's one of my biggest hobbies. I watch absolutely anything anything at all I'll watch it sometimes I miss a film and eventually I ca I'll catch up with it and that just leaves questions for the whale which he isn't here so I can't ask him so I'll have to answer some of them myself if I can um, first one from Roberto Fidenzi apologies of course if I've said that wrong do you think we'll discover alien life in our lifetime I did see on the news the other day that they found another seven planets which are Earth in style. Earth in style. You know what I mean. Um, 
so clearly they have the ability to uh, possibly support life. Um, the problem is always going to be if there are humanoids on those planets, which is very possible due to the way that nature is like that, it likes to create plants that all look the same. They're all green and they've all got leaves and they've all got flowery bits. Um, animals that they all breathe and they've got hair or skin. You know, so nature, you know, it tends to create things that are all the same, which is why you can group them into categories, I suppose. So on that planet, there's going to be a category of living things, whether it's just going to be fishy things, whether it's going to be mammals, whether it's going to be humany type looking things, whether it's going to be things that fly, or whether it's just going to be bugs and bacteria. Those planets are going to have something on them. And the problem is, in our lifetime, are we ever going to see it? Chances are no. Because there's so many light years away, let's say there are 100 light years away, we'd never get the images back to us in time. We'd have to physically go there, take a picture on an iPhone, and then send it back again, and hope the battery doesn't run out, and then the memory doesn't corrode in your phone, and, you know, the chances of getting a, an image in our lifetime is not possible. The only chance we're going to get to see of alien life in our lifetime is in the planets that are very close to us, or the moon. Uh, I know the moon isn't a planet, but it could potentially have life on it, and they're hiding on the other side of the moon. They're playing hide-and-seek, basically. Or Mars. Uh, Mars, at one point, from what we've seen recently, um, has had things like water and stuff on it, so there's a possibility that it might have had life on it, or might still have life on it, and they might be underground. Um, there might be there might be moles on Mars, and they're all burrowing underground, and you know we haven't seen them yet because we haven't dug uh, deep enough, so we don't know. But as far as these planets and things we're discovering all the time that have Earth-like qualities. We're never going to see it in our lifetime because we're not going to be able to get there. Unless, of course, next week someone invents warp speed or whatever they use in Star Trek. But realistically, even if we had that technology or discovered that technology, it would take us 50, 60, 70, 100 years before we could put that technology into practice. So in our lifetime, the answer is no. God, I was long-winded. <sighs> I should have just said no. No. No is the answer. Andy Quick, why is there a lack of pies at football matches these days? I have been to Wembley Stadium and it's the only time I've ever been to watch a football match live. Dagnum versus Moseley. And my father was from Dagnum, which is why we went. I think we went with my granddad. Uh, and I was cheering for the red team, because, which was Moseley, because I like the colour red. I know nothing about football. And I don't remember having a pie or being offered a pie back then so I think it's just the same but I could be wrong because I like I said I know nothing about football uh, Gene Matheson what would you name a storm Doris just doesn't sound stormy trust me it does when you're trying to hold your house together with a paint roller it doesn't matter what the name is but I knew it was a Doris that's definitely a storm name and always will be. Every time there's a storm, I will think of Storm Doris. Dor the name Doris is now firmly embedded into my brain. 
it's always going to be a name associated with storms. And there have been other storms around the world over my lifetime that have completely devastated cities, killed hundreds of people. But for me, Doris. Nothing beats Doris. If there was a top trumps of storms, Doris would be the top trump. Rob James. How much deeper would the ocean be if there weren't any sponges growing in it? Is that a trick question? Because surely the sponges soak up the water, but the sponges are still in the water. So I think it wouldn't be any deeper. It would be the same. Unless the sponges got out of the water and took the water that they had inside them with them, then it would be... What's the opposite to deeper? Shallower. There we go. Tina Gain. How many fingers am I holding up? Now, this is another trick question. How many fingers am I holding up? When you wrote this, none. Because you were using the keyboard. Or you could be one of those posh typers that as they type, their little finger is sticking up. So if you're a traditional person typing, then I would say no fingers. If you're posh, one or if you're deliberately trying to hold some fingers up using either hand, I'm going to go with three. Chris McClintock. I hope I said that right. I'm sure I didn't. On what date will the average American realize his or her gargantuan mistake and take steps? Um, I'm going to go... And you can, uh, you can come back to this and um, throw it in my face if I'm wrong. I'm going to go with June the 27th. And that's it. That's all the questions for the whale stroke brackets delete Robbo uh, that there is this week. We had some whales mail in. Um which I'll save for next week because it's good news for James. It looks like we may have found some reggae music for next week. So that's it then. So uh, hopefully everything will be restored back to normal next week. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're still listening, if you're not listening, then it's fine. I, I completely understand. Not you'd hear that either. Uh, thanks to all the radio stations that uh, put the show out and take it easy. I'm sure I'll be okay next week. I know that there's another storm coming this weekend and everything, but I think I've sorted everything now. Um, once again, really, really sorry. Bye-bye.
You're listening to the James Well Radio Show. For more information, visit www.jameswellradio.co.uk. Why not check us out on facebook.com slash show or follow James on Twitter at the James Whale. James Whale, the voice of reason.